I don't care if you like dudes, chicks, or dogs, just as long as your check clears. You're listening to Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. Welcome to episode 196 of Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is the brains of the operation, writer, journalist, blonde transcriber of dog books, Jessica Salaji. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm on the right side of the grass and walking a little better every day. That's exciting. It is. It is. Uh, the uh, th- therapy, I'm doing therapy three days a week. So this is why we're recording, not that anybody can, listening would know this, at night versus the morning. I thought we were doing that because I have lost control of the week. Well, that too. Yeah. That too. I appreciate how well Connie has conditioned you, though, to just take responsibility and move on. Oh, no, it's my fault. No, right. absolutely. My fault. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. It's my right. fault. I mean, I... I absolutely. I, I, <laughs> absolutely. Did, did you see that Paul Rudd was voted people's sexiest man alive? Yeah, totally wrong. Absolutely incorrect. Look, I don't think Paul Rudd's a bad looking guy. But I also don't think he's sexier than I am. Now, look, you know, really, if Ryan Reynolds is voted sexiest man alive, I'm like, I take, I bend my knee to the king. Yeah, you're damn right. I mean, Paul Rudd ain't no Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I mean, like, like just, neither is Dave Roberts. I know. That, I'm sorry, but it's true. Like, I mean, mm-mm. now Ryan Reynolds six pack has a six pack. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Paul Rudd up against. Chris Hemsworth and, you know. Helmsworth. Yeah, JFK Jr. Okay, yeah, Chris Helmsworth. I mean, he literally played a god. David Ryan Beckham. Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds is so good looking that they had to put 15 pounds of makeup on him to make him look like Deadpool, and he was still sexy. I mean, really, Paul Rudd's, from all accounts, is is a nice guy. He is an ageless guy. He looks the same today as he did when he did uh, what's what's the movie he did? Clueless. Yes, he looks the same, as but if. it's still not like if I lose Connie to Ryan Reynolds or Chris Helmsworth, I'm like I give up. You win. Paul Rudd, I'm be like, I'm taking her to court. Really? Yeah, you're gonna fight court. I mean, I mean, I mean, really? I mean, r- rule one is cheat up. <laughs> I concur. I just, you know, I think they. I don't know. They, I think they. Under- they went for the least offensive person they could find. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. They don't have to worry about any blowback. But I mean. <laughs> Way to take a stand, Jess. I know. I just, I'm just disappointed. I feel like it was a, it was a wasted award. 
I don't see the world's sexiest woman awards being handed out either. Well, we can't talk about women being sexy anymore. They have to be men. And it would be Kate Upton for like 10 years. Yeah, probably. <laughs> She's curvy and squishy in all the right places. <laughs> so, as we record, there is no Rittenhouse verdict. And we have additional requests for a mistrial. We do. It was an interesting week. I mean, I, as we record, I think they concluded their third day without um, returning a verdict, which, I, which of course, has people speculating like crazy. I think um, there's even like an article published on lawofficer.com, which it's, in, I mean, it was unconfirmed, so I'm not really sure why they published it, but they alleged that, you know, jurors were holding out because of fear and the rumors are circulating that you know they're trying to trying to find something to convict him of and instead of just having a hung jury and it's and that is such a miscarriage of justice and look i anybody who's listened to the show anybody who's ever met me knows that i believe it was self defense mm -hmm. the kid makes made some very poor decisions he got himself isolated and surrounded. Bad tactical decision. That doesn't mean he should allow someone to beat him to death with a skateboard. Well, let's not forget that, like, the state's entire argument all along has hinged on defending rioters. So, I mean, like... Trial molesters, yeah, rapists. Well, well, I mean, but even, like, aside from their backgrounds and who they were personally, like, the entire thing has been what... Kyle Rittenhouse did to um, rioters. And so if we're defending rioter, if the state is defending rioters and then the situation, you know, if Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have gotten himself in that situation, but it was totally okay for those other people to be there and have themselves in that situation, then we've already legitimized whatever response is forthcoming. And we touched on it a little bit, at, um, you know, in the show last week about what was to come, but I mean, Cities across the nation are are bracing for something, and really all we can hope for is that it comes close enough to Thanksgiving where it kind of just fades into the darkness. I don't get it. I don't get the racist argument. One, they took the kid's phone, and he unlocked it for a forum. Uh, they're calling him a white supremacist, a white guy who shot three white guys. Mm -hmm. I... I, I I don't get it. I honestly don't get it. And he's, you know, I don't want to keep harping on he was a kid. Look, when he's 18 now, when I was 18, yes, somebody handed me an M60 and said, here, carry this. I understand. I, I, I you know, I, I get, I'm guilty of calling him a kid. But he defended himself. He had a 30-round mag. It did not shoot anyone that was not threatening, threatening him. So I don't understand the prosecutors into this. I don't understand the fat, balding prosecutor that, that uh, during uh, closing arguments did the rebuttal from, from the defense. I don't understand the, 
the Finn prosecutor in his closing argument saying, if you carry a gun, you don't have the right self-defense. I carry a gun every damn day. I mean, there's been lots of speculation that they wanted to botch it so, so they could say, yeah, we did it. And this is, you know, we, we tried to, we tried to prosecute him, but we just couldn't finish the drill and that they've just deliberately done such a terrible job. I'm not sure if I believe that. I'm not, I don't know what to believe anymore. All I know is that um, it is a little bit concerning that after three days. I mean, I know there's a lot to consider. I know that the trial went on for a long time and, and they go, they have to go back with special instructions and I want them to do it right. But I think on day three, it was 23 hours of deliberations. That seems a bit. It feels to me like there's a holdout on either side, whether somebody is absolutely, I don't care what the facts are. He's guilty or the complete other side. You've got 11 jurors who say he's guilty and one person going, I will not convict this kid. It, it just it feels like that. But, but of course, we don't have anything to, to to base that on. It's just what it feels like. We do have MSNBC has been kicked out of the courtroom after following a juror home. Yeah. What's that about? I mean, that's like the number one rule is. First of all, the jurors should have been, I think, like sequestered, sequestered and, and protected and and all of that. I'm, you know, I think it was poor taste. This could have been prevented, but I don't know what the hell they were thinking. There's there's no good excuse for it, even though they say they're following a home. Look, what's happening is there is some producer somewhere that wants the first interview with the juror. And that guy was following jurors home so that he could figure out where they are. So when the trial is over, he will have the first juror on TV. This, that's the only explanation that even makes sense. But how, how do you justify behaving like that when you know there are people out willing to kill these jurors if they don't come back the way the way that they you know that person feels they should what's the point of any of it if it doesn't come back if they don't stick to their guns i mean pun intended uh, like i don't know i i'm if it's a hung jury it's a hung jury because people didn't agree that means they didn't convince them either way i i don't understand why Voting your convictions. I mean, to me, using violence as an, as an influence over a jury is the same thing as lynching. If you well, tell the jury that that if if you don't find the way we want you to, we're gonna you know we're coming after you. That's the same thing as going in the courthouse, dragging them out in the street, and hanging them. Well, there's no sanctity to the process if if jurors cannot weigh a case and contemplate it with without being harassed i mean there's there's absolutely no point in anything else if that's how it's going to be yeah it is it's it's scary it is scary looking at this as somebody in hell you, you or i could be charged with a crime 
Mm-hmm. You know, any day I could have to pull the Glock 43X off, off my hip and have to defend myself. And I've got 12 people that are weighing whether or not I acted in self-defense. And the idea that there be outside inf- political influences that tell these people whether or not I was justified is appalling. But that's just me. As we we lingered on, on that way too long. Well, I mean, it's just... It's such a... it's The case itself is so hard to comprehend that it's even there. And so I think, you know, like I've hardly talked about the Arbery case at all because I understand why we're there. <laughs> you know, like there's questions to be had and asked and there's explanations to be made. And I think there is a legitimate um, question for the jury there. And what comes of it will come of it. And I think it will have to be accepted. This is different. It is. And it's different because of the outside influences. Yes. And because they lied to the public the entire time. And people, I mean, still, like, I want to be like, I wish there was a stamp where if someone commented something like how Facebook does the COVID, you know, display on posts, I wish there was one where it said, I haven't watched the trial and I'm still talking about it because it's so obvious when somebody hasn't been paying attention to the, to the actual realities that even the state has conceded. So. Yeah. We talked about the memes last week and all that stuff, but as we get closer to an actual verdict, it becomes more and more important it becomes less and less funny and i see the humor in everything mm-hmm. speaking of humor mark now, jones now former district attorney mark jones is in the clink yeah he's 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 out this was such a twist i don't think that anyone was really expecting um the jury was in there you know, they had he had his trial last week, the public corruption one, the nine felony counts we've talked about on the show and um, of influencing a witness and, and bribery and or conspiracy and all that. And so they were on day two of the deliberations and, you know, his they didn't offer a defense. They didn't call. He didn't take the stand. They off, they called no um, witnesses. There was really nothing. And he's maintained his innocence through all this. And he pled guilty um, in the middle of it. And so I, I misspoke. It did not start like the, the deliberations did not start on um, Monday. They started on last two Fridays ago. But um, there were nine counts. And I guess on Friday at the end of the day, they had reported that they had a unanimous decision on three of the counts. And so when they returned on Monday, they came back and said um, that they had a unanimous verdict on five of the nine counts. And it and when they reported that, I guess that's when Jones started uh, saying, what can you do for me? And they offered him to plead guilty on four of the nine counts, which um, included influencing a witness by telling the police detective to lie under oath. Um, attempted violation of oath of office by trying to get an ADA to accept $1,000. There were two of those. And then violation of his oath by not assisting the nephew of a homicide victim in navigating the court system. And 
we've talked about violation of oath a hundred times on the show. And I think the last charge is totally bogus. Like violation of oath is supposed to be, we've talked about a sentence enhancer, like for an underlying crime and not assisting somebody navigate the the system is not a crime. Like the violation of oath would be that he tried to influence a witness in his official capacity. They're so stupid. Like, freaking prosecutors man they don't they don't even understand what they're supposed to be doing but anyway he but this this guy was trying to influence the the testimony for the state like and i get the principled aspect of everything but if he gets drugged behind a pickup truck until he until he beats to death it's fine with me Okay, well, that's a little extreme. Um, you know, the other one, like the other two charge, he had two other charges of bribery. He had another influencing uh, witness count, and then two of um, attempted perjury. and And he faced up to fifty years in prison, and he he got sentenced to five years with one to serve, and he'll pay a thousand dollar fine. Of course, he had to resign. And the most interesting part was that this was on Monday, and the he asked if he could turn himself in on Friday to, um, you know, get his affairs in order. And the judge was like, no, you're going now, which I don't really agree with. Like, he's not a flight risk. He didn't do anything violent. Jim Beck got like two and a half months after. Uh, but that, his, that was federal court. I don't care. Like, I think, I mean, asking for a couple days to get your stuff in order is, I mean, like he had to no, submit no, a handwritten no, hand note with to you. the governor. Like he should have been yeah. able to go. No, like, I agree. I agree with you that you, you really should be able to go home, make sure your kids are, you know, everything's good, and and make make yourself ready to go serve your year. I agree yeah. with you. Make sure someone I, can I, handle your affairs. I mean, like yes, I sure you could argue that he should have done that before, but the jury was still deliberating, and they don't normally just like sentence. I mean, they might have you come back the next. I mean, they. I, I don't know. I just. I, I'm not a fan of what she did. I thought it was a little bit. She. She. She was frustrated with, you know, Christopher Rialt, and and I think I don't think she's a fan of Mark Jones, and I think she kind of like took out her frustration on the case generally with that and whatever. I mean, well, and and the key difference being, even if he was convicted, there would have been two weeks at least before he was sentenced. You know, it's it's not like watching an episode of Second Week in a Row, Perry Mason, where they go, okay, you're found guilty, bam, this is your sentence. There would have been a, a sentencing after that where the judge has time to to look at the charges, weigh everything. So, so I agree. I also agree it's not your your year to set, to spend is doesn't matter if it starts on Tuesday or starts three weeks from next Thursday. It's doesn't matter. It's a year. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I thought that was a little over the top, but it was an interesting change in the course of events though. I mean, this is the guy who just professed up and down that he was being targeted and, 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 you know, this was all political by Republican AG because of, you know, what happened with him ousting a Republican and, and then, 
I guess he saw the writing on the wall when the deliberations took a little bit, or maybe he had an inside source. I don't know, but he. Well, the we're still out on whether he did donuts on his way to the to the jail. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it was in the same pattern of the last ones. So we have the Christian florist at the center of the most iconic First Amendment case uh, this century has agreed to pay the same-sex couple that sued her for refusing to serve their wedding. Ah, man. I hate that she gave up. Yeah, what a pansy. Nice. She's 83. Nice, What a quitter. quitter. Ten years for nothing. Turned down for what? Nothing. She's retiring. She's 676, excuse me. Yeah, she, she's she, retiring. She's a quitter. No, I, I got the florist, the pansy thing. Thank you, Jess. You're um, She's retiring. She just wants to go away. And look, really, what, what did she give away? Five grand? And a promise not to um, continue. And they're going to cease pursuing damages against her business and her personal assets. But here's the thing. The, the question's not settled. Because in, in her agreement and with the ACLU, she she agreed to withdraw her Supreme Court petition. Well, you and I are both business owners. I can choose to do business with, with whomever I like. Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest mistake she made was telling them why. Like, if I don't want to do business with you, it might be because I think you're dumb or because I don't like your politics or because, you know, your breath stinks. It doesn't yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. And I'm not going to tell you why I'm just going to decline to do business with you or not. I mean, I just, I like this, this whole thing of taking a stand, like she, she said in a quote, she said, we're all in trouble, whether we're religious or not, when we don't have the freedom to live consistent with our faith, faith and our basic beliefs. When I don't have the freedom to run my business, according to my beliefs, live my life, according to my beliefs, Blah, blah, blah. Rob and Kurt have the right to live the way they do and the way they feel with their beliefs. And I'm just asking for that same right. I agree wholeheartedly. But the problem here is that she told them so in an effort to either like, instead of just saying I'm booked up or like, I'm not gonna be able to do this or whatever. She chose to insert her like I mean, oh, I'm, my, so, I'm sorry. I'm out of pansies. My my job is a little bit different because I have politics and partisanship and all kinds of things like interjected already. But like for you, you're not going to like off the bat when someone calls, be like, OK, well, uh, over the phone, what's your race? Right. Well, that, that's the thing is. Uh, first of all, from a business standpoint, I think it's unwise to. To not not supply flowers to gay people. It's not exactly a, a great business plan, but it's your right to run your business into the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's her right, absolutely. And if she says, I don't want to do gay weddings, there have to be 500,000 other florists that would love to. But you're right. With this not being settled, it's still out there. Can this and, be done or not? And not interjecting your 
your beliefs into your business is not backing down. It's just operating your business and keeping, I mean, the amount of money this woman has probably spent on legal fees and everything else, not to mention the public, I'm sure she's had some positive public publicity and all that, but that's not the case for everybody. Like not everybody's case gets headline news and a GoFundMe and hundreds of thousand dollars funneled their way with a pro bono attorney. Like some people have to stick it out alone. And so I don't think it's backing down when you don't profess your beliefs like that. I mean, there's another avenue, there's another outlet for that. And, you know, it, I just I don't see the point of interjecting that and drawing it on yourself. And I and I say that as somebody who like argues with people for a living. <laughs> I mean, but even I, I, you know, like I'm still not going to be like, well, I don't have a sign. There's no gaze on the door. I mean, I don't really care about the game. Like that's there's whatever. Like, but, but still, like you want to go ahead and put Jessica down for not caring about the gays. Yeah. I mean, what you do in your own time is not my business. I don't want to know whether you're gay or not. I don't want to know what you do in your bedroom. It's none of my business. I I just like the gays. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Jess. (laughs) But like you said, I mean, like there's, we still don't have an answer. And, um, and, and, Here's here's the disgusting part. This is the most disgusting part out of all of it. The ACLU rep- lawyer representing the, the couple said, quote, preventing that kind of humiliation and hurt is exactly why we have non-discrimination laws. OK, so we have laws to keep people from feeling humiliated and emotionally hurt. That is the worst reason to have a law ever. Look, here's the thing. Personally, with Dr. Cool. I don't give a damn what you like. I don't care if you like Joe Biden. I don't care if you like Trump. I don't care if you like uh, each other. I don't care if you like dudes, chicks, or dogs. Just as long as your check clears. Right. But the fact is, a business owner should have the right to choose with whom he or she does business. The mm-hmm. fact, the idea that the law should force me to provide a service to somebody for any reason is abhorrent. I agree. You know, there are, uh, I, off the top of my head, 500 HVAC companies in Paulding County. If I don't like you and I give you the cold shoulder and tell you to piss off, you have 499 other companies you can go to. And the same goes for florists. This comp- this couple decided to be a-holes and say, we're going to make a stand here. And God bless this woman. She decided to be an a-hole too, going, let's go to court, homie. But she was finally beaten down, not legally, but by the process the process finally wore her down to the point where here's five grand, just leave me alone. Let me hand my business off to my grandkids. Leave me alone. Here's five grand. Go away. Mm-hmm. And that's disgust- absolutely disgusting. Yeah. I'm not a fan. <laughs> well, put Jessica as not a fan. Thank you. Because <laughs> I would like that noted for the record. <laughs> So we have a coalition coalition of the states that are investigating Instagram's effect on the youth. It's all for the kids, Jessica. 
I swear, we are never, I mean, we're, this is like both sides of the aisle, state attorneys generals are, they've created a coalition to talk about the techniques utilized by Meta, which is the new name for Facebook, which owns Instagram, to talk about the increase in the frequency and duration of engagement by young users and the, quote, resulting harms caused by such extended engagement. First of all, it only targets children if parents give their children a phone and a social media account to be targeted with. If a child has access to a device for four hours a day, it's because a parent gave them access to the device for four hours a day. I can't well, even handle this. <laughs> I see. I see you're in the middle of the road on this one. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it the social networking thing is to me pointless. Kids pick on kids. I was beat up. I beat up other kids. It's just one of those things. So the fact that it happens in a digital space versus on the, on the playground is immaterial to me. The, the forum in which kids use to harass other kids. And look, I am a horrible human being when it comes to my friends. I am, I am the worst person in the world to my friends. I mean, if if people could hear the way I answer Matt Lowe's phone calls, you would think I'm just, just beating up on him. But this is, and I thank every bully that I ever had because it taught me how to be the adult that I am. The fact that I had to go through that as a kid taught me how to deal with people. Well, and you know, I'm I'm sure that's all fine and true, but the difference is is you can't I mean, you could change your kid's school and you can you can have them move to classes and and all kinds of things. There but there's a lot that you can't control at school. Like you've got to send them to a school and if they're short or they have to wear glasses or you know, if they're overweight or whatever the reason is that they've been they're being bullied those the, a lot of times those aren't things you can change. You can change if your kid has access to social media. Like, why are we having a study committee? Why are we wasting resources? Why are we prodding and probing and and wanting to have some sort of data driven conversation about how much time kids are spending on social media when the parents are letting them do it? Well, no, my point is that it doesn't change whether you're on social media or not. That it just doesn't change. And look, you know that fat kid you picked on in high school? He's probably owns. Do what? He's probably rich now. Yeah, exactly. That nerd that got all hundreds and everything that you picked on? Millionaire. So that's part of growing up. Dealing with bullies is part of growing up. And this has nothing to do with the story. Any adult that says they're being bullied can kiss my ass. 
because adults cannot. I'm 44 years old. I cannot be bullied. I can choose with whom I associate. Uh, it's it's just silly. It, it and to your point, if you don't want your kid to be on social media, guess what? Take them off social media. They are children. But you know, my point of the whole thing is a virtual playground is a playground. So it doesn't matter if your kid is upset because they're being made fun of on Facebook or they're being made fun of at the playground. It's the same thing. And you have to enable your kids to deal with that. And back when I was a kid, you dealt with it with a fist. Like, you know, someone called me fat, stupid, whatever, I'd punch him in the damn mouth. Yeah. And then and then we would work it out. And then, you know what? Next week, we'd be best buddies. Well, that's, yes, that, that's, yes. That's but, males. No, no. I mean, there's there's truth to that in, in all of it. And in, in having to see someone face to face or getting partnered with them and or having to sit with them at lunch. I mean, there's so many um, different ways that just in person has an impact on relationships and the way we communicate with people but i just it's not a, it's not a government issue no and and this this attorney general from nebraska doug peterson he's a republican he said when social media platforms treat our children as mere commodities to manipulate for longer screen time engagement and data extraction it becomes imperative for state attorneys general to engage our investigative authority under our consumer protection laws as if Cheetos hasn't treated our children as commodities. Yeah. Or the makeup companies or the skateboarding companies or the virtual reality games or the video games or the fidgets or whatever else. I mean, everything is your commodity. You're, as a consumer, you are all they care about is your statistics, your buying habits, your, your habits in general. Exactly. Yeah. But this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not that of anyone not on this show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. And I happen to know the chick that runs that, and she's okay. Yeah, she gets the job done. <laughs> As we record, the Democrats are uh, raced to pass a social spending plan with a $1.7 trillion, with a T, cost estimate in hand. The Build Back Better plan. My God. So apparently, the price tag was something that came in the late hour i guess i i was to be quite honest i don't pay as much attention to national politics anymore simply because i really i mean my blood pressure goes from like like if on speed zone cameras my blood pressure goes from zero to 10 in the extreme like in, well, in I, five I, seconds i, I yeah. hope it doesn't go from zero honey 
Well, I'm talking about on like being <laughs> off the meter with with national politics. Just, it just is I'm like just being an a hole. Yes, I know. That's just my baseline, though, of being like outraged. I can't because because people are so um, dumb and don't they're they're not doing anything. Like they'll sit and complain about it all day long and then vote for the same people, and and it just or. I, I, I can't handle it. It just drives me nuts. But anyway, I did my research before and, you know, read about the Build Back Better plan and what it entailed. And it's the price tag was something, I guess, that was holding up them voting on it previously because some of the Democrats were like, well, we need to know how much it's going to cost before we agree to it. So they came up with this price tag on Thursday afternoon. Um, and for so here's what they're getting for one point seven trillion dollars. Um, they're going to they're aiming to make child care more affordable by subsidizing child care. Um, again, I'm old. I remember when knocking somebody up meant you took care of your child. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. So they're going to cap that parents don't pay more than seven percent of their income. And then they're funding the subsidies for six years. Um, they're going to, I guess there's a provision for paid, um, four weeks of paid leave for most Americans. They're going to extend the child, the enhanced child tax credit for a year, which I guess will impact like 35 million households. Um, and then they'll permanently, they'll make them, those tax credits permanently refundable to those without sufficient income tax liability to get the full benefit. Um, they're going to create a universal pre-K for all three and four year olds funded for six years um and then three-year-olds do not need to be in pre-k no they need to play at daycare with centers and and free play and and outdoor play and and basic like well and people need to understand what happens when you're in federal pre-k even basic things like you can't let the kid take their own lunch Because it has to be the same as what everybody else eats. Uh, Anything the federal government gets involved with is the anti-Midas touch. Instead of turning to gold, it turns to crap. It does. So, three-year-olds don't need to be in pre-K. In fact, studies show that pre-K doesn't help anything. Pre-K actually can hurt kids. Uh, These kids should be not in school, but interact with each other and learning social skills that kids at three, four, and five years old start learning, interacting with other kids. What what they're trying to do is create a state program that carries kids from three years old until they're 25 because they they want to do the other side too and have kids that are all the way through government schools up and through college. Well, I mean, they already have that because they have the early start or the um, Head Start program that allows you to basically have subsidized. I mean, Georgia has that. I mean, we've been doing cradle to grave. We've, we've already been implementing that. But this just funds it on the federal level. Um on a bigger level and expands the actual pre-K program as opposed to just daycare, which is head start to three-year-olds. Um, they're going to do tax credits for clean energy and electric vehicles and then expand Medicaid and Medicare 
um, to cover hearing services, um, to extend, what? yes, to extend pandemic related <laughs> Affordable Care Act subsidies for four years. And then this is what really chaps me is that they're going to allow Medicare to negotiate some of the drug prices to save $79 billion over 10 years. But what that's going to do is mean that over the next couple of years, they're only going like one a, in, a, in negotiating the um, the prices. Another drug is not going to be brought to the market. And then they're well, going has. When has price fixing ever worked in the history of price fixing? It has never worked. What does what do you what does that have to do with keeping? We're talking about drug prices, for, right? But like, yeah, drug, that's not the that's not the end. the 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 thing that's infuriating is that it's going as part of the deal. They're not going to allow them to release drugs. What if those drugs are drugs that save people's lives? Well, no, exactly the point is why would I research more drugs if I can't charge enough for them to cover the cost of my research? It doesn't make sense. This is why people come to the United States for treatment is our doctors and our scientists make a lot of money. I know that's a little off topic, but that's why we have such good medical treatment here is the people that come up with it make a lot of money. They do. My God, man. It's, it's, it's like the people in Congress have never read a history book or an economics book. Well, what's wild to me is they're really not getting very much for $1.7 trillion. I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly by no means like a proponent of the infrastructure plan, but there was a long list of stuff that we're supposedly going to get for $1.2 trillion. And, and with this, you're not, they're not even talking about, um, of course, you know, with, well, with this, you're not talking about the fact that it's going to drive up prices and make things more expensive. And so it's not going to be enough money anyway. Um, and you won't be able to fully fund all of this, but they're also but not talking about the fact that they're going to. But how do increase. we pay for it, Jess? Well, they're, they're going to like, which I was trying to. I know. I was trying to get you into it. Well, they're <laughs> like with the IRS, they're trying to send a massive amount of enforcement to collect like that's that's part of their plan is just to collect more that they're not collecting so they're going to hire more irs agents hundreds of thousands uh, they're talking about a 15 percent corporate minimum tax now keep in mind when you when people think corporate they think delta coca-cola and places like that but you and i both run corporations Minimum tax, 5% surtax on individual income over $10 million, uh, with an additional 3% 3 of tax above income of $25 million. I know these, these sound like big numbers, 
But the people who are taking, who make money like that, 10 million, employ a lot of people. Yeah. And, and on top of that, like you think about, you know, the guy who started a t-shirt company in his garage and it, it exploded over, you know, by the end of year two and he was pulling in $11 million or something. Now all of a sudden he's making less and he's got to lay people off or charge more. Which do you think will happen? Both. Right. I think at first, if, I think first it will be higher cost than people will get laid off. If it costs me more to do business, if I have to pay more taxes, the cost of your air conditioning system goes up. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm just going to eat that cost. It's not that I can eat that cost. Well, no, this isn't like a $50, like, you know, your business license going from $50 a year to 75 That's not, it's 15% more expensive for you to do everything. Right. Which means I have to, besides all the other in- increases that I've, that I've gotten this year, and mm-hmm. I got like three 20% uh, price increases for my suppliers over the, over the, this year. And then the federal government saying, oh, we're going to tax you at 15% higher. The loser is not me. I'm not, I'm not going to eat that. I can't eat it. You know, I'm I'm not. No, but the problem, and no, you're right. Like in an, in a vacuum, you're not going to eat it. You're going to pass it off and, and, and do everything that no matter what industry you're in. Um, but what people don't understand is like it it's going to penetrate all every industry and so everything is going to be more expensive like every industry has a corporation and every yeah, industry eggs tomatoes right. or anything else yes and so like you know to pretend like this is just the guy who owns amazon or just you know th- this isn't it's not like that at all it's it's any person who went out on a limb and took the risk to do something themselves. And that's what we should be encouraging is people to go out, step out and become business owners. And this does the exact opposite is it's much safer for somebody to stay working for somebody else than it is to, go out starting your own because you start looking at the onerous tax structure like man this can cost just what i have to pay the government alone doesn't justify it and it's it's exactly the opposite of what we should be encouraging and you know you're going to subsidize child care well for, so parents don't pay more than 7% of their income. Well, eventually, that's going to come full circle, as it always does, and you're going to end up making child care more expensive. Oh, not just that. Uh, the two of us, neither one of us have kids, not that I know of anyway, in your case. Um, that tells people that 
I have to pay to take care of somebody else's kids. And how, how is that justified? Connie and I didn't have any kids. We tried. We failed. Uh, but we didn't have any kids. So besides paying to educate the little SOVs, I've got to pay to raise them too? That's a crime. Plus, I'm, I'm raising kids that I didn't have the enjoyment of fathering. Well, and this is, you know, aside from all of those things, um, it's going to add to the deficit over 10 years. Of course it is. Um, it's not. It's only going to be $127 billion more in net revenue. And so it's $250 billion short of fully offsetting it. And that's that's if costs stay exactly where they are right now. I mean, we it never does. They always amend things. And, um, you know, they are going to supposedly um, roll back uh, some things on the Medicaid and Medicare and Obamacare and home health care side that is supposed to help close the gap a little bit. But And then they're going to impose, I think, the, the fee on methane. Um, but I mean, but this is why we don't talk national politics. No, it's freaking depressing and it's stupid and they're stupid and it's, in, <laughs> it's, it, it, they are, I mean, this is insane. Why are we doing this? What, like, what is the point? Are you telling me that people in America are just not working because they can't afford to send their children to a daycare facility because they offer subsidized daycare facilities already. We we have nannies who are paid under the table. We have babysitters. We have home health home providers that will watch a couple kids. You know they're freaking regulated to the the moon on on how they can operate. But I mean the market has provided in so many ways other than just sending your kid to a, a Montessori school or something. From 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Easy. I mean, that's, that's where my boys went. My nephews went. There's nothing sorry. wrong with a monastery school. I'm just saying those are more expensive than, you know, a Head Start program. I mean, but what I'm getting at is like, first of all, not every child needs to be in that. Not every child needs to be in that at two or three. Like some some children do better when they start the like learning, actual structured learning at a later age. I Like there's so many different things that go into this. I don't understand why we are other than to further the dependency and to just say here's one more thing we're going to give you so that we cannot unravel this absolutely atrociously sized government crutch you know no absolutely the idea is that the government owns your children from 2 until 22 Oh, and by the way, let's throw in some stuff about electric vehicles to build America back better. I mean, like what? Also, also, why are you talking about expanding the tax credits and and making, you know, all this stuff for electric vehicles when Georgia just got some dumbass report where they said that we need to go from the gas tax to per mileage fee because electric vehicles are are cutting into our revenue, which I'm not sure if I believe that or not, but because I mean, also I do live in diesel country and, you know, 
the men down here drive trucks, not little like Dodge darts with flowers on the back windshield. But, you know, like (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I don't know how many people are in Georgia driving these vehicles, but why if if we're if it's hurting our income as it is and we just passed this freaking infrastructure bill because you know, the gas tax is down and we're not, we haven't been putting money back and well, we haven't uh, maintaining. No, why are we making that worse? missing on that is the fact that the tax was never about gasoline. The tax was always about tax. Well, of course. But if the tax is lower, then don't give people a tax credit to do something that's going to make the tax even lower. Well, all taxation is theft. But the fact is, it exposes their lies. It was never about a tax on gasoline and getting them off a tax uh, off of gasoline. It was as soon as the people come off tax uh, gas taxoline. It's pretty good. I just I just coined a, a phrase. I like that. <laughs> uh, it was never about that. It was about collecting tax and taxation is theft, and they hate the fact that. People are going to vehicles that do not generate taxoline. That, that's all it has to do with. It has nothing to do with the environment. It has nothing to do with, with, with the economy. It has everything to do with government control and stealing money. They just launched in that stupid infrastructure bill some like $250 million grant program to put electric school buses on the roads. Those things are gas guzzlers. Just stupid. Uh, Look, I was mad at my county for getting propane-powered vehicles because propane is a derivative of crude oil. You can't make gasoline or diesel without creating propane. It's, It's part of the process. And I'm like, you dumb Fs. But anyway, Jess, as we're coming to a close, would you like to talk about your closing thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> I guess. I mean, so so I can be yelling a little bit more as people head into Thanksgiving. That's just lovely. So we learned last week that um, the two men that were con- – so three men were convicted of killing Malcolm X. Two of them um, were on track to be exonerated because it came out. Well, I mean, it's been out, but like the the process has gone through with the FBI um, withholding evidence. And uh, it's a very I would encourage you. I've shared the article. We'll share it as well. But um, it was Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam. They have maintained their evidence since 1965. I mean, freaking too long. Just one. It was the Innocence Project again. They're freaking amazing. Um, But decades and and you're talking about a high profile case like one where the world was watching because this this civil rights icon uh guy was assassinated and and everyone was watching and they still how couldn't. dare you assume his gender yeah my bad um but you know god it's just infuriating like we 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 get it so wrong so so often and um, I think one of them died. Yeah, Is- Islam died in 2009, but the um, Muhammad Aziz, he's in his 80s. Um, 
he's going to he's been paroled but i mean he's been living with this conviction his entire life but his quote and i know we're running long but his quote was extremely powerful to me because it, it just was but he said the events that brought us to court today he read this in court when they announced like yes we're going to like they're just waiting for the judge to do the order but the events that brought us to court today should never have occurred those events were and are the result of a process that was so corrupt to its core one that is all too familiar even in 2021 while i do not need this court these prosecutors or a piece of paper to tell me that i am innocent i am glad that my family my friends and the attorneys who have worked and supported me all these years are finally seeing the truth we have all known officially recognized I'm an 83-year-old man who was victimized by the criminal justice system, and I do not know how many more years I have to be creative. However, I hope the same system that was responsible for this travesty of justice also takes responsibility for the immeasurable harm it has caused me. That is very poignant. And Brilliant. The, the point that I'm going to take out of that and have Eric put out is Islam died in 2009. No. <laughs> so they can paint you as, as a racist. Um, oh my gosh, man! I wish I'd gone first. <laughs> that 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 was very good, Jazz. That that was very good. Uh, anybody who knows me knows I watch Jeopardy. Uh, my wife and I watch it, you know, religiously. It, it is what we watch during dinner. Um, every once in a while, I will shout the answer out and, you know, food will come out of my mouth. We watch it during dinner. But there was a contestant that, that won last week, uh, Amy. Amy is a dude. It's so hmm. much so that. Does he drive she, a Dodge Dart with flowers on the back window? Uh, no, no, no. She's way manlier than that. Um, like we heard him talk and both of us stopped eating and looked at each other and I'm like, okay, so this dude in a dress has a five o'clock shadow. Like mm. I'm talking Jamie Farr as, as a uh, corporal clinger level <laughs> awful. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just tired of having to pretend that this is a check or that it, did, did, look, did did Amy say Amy was a chick? No. Uh, well, I mean, introducing himself as Amy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's there's, not like he there's men named there's men named Ashley or like I'll say it's not like he was named Ashley or Carrie or something like that. Cameron. No, he, yeah, he, he, he went as Amy and it was so distracting that the two of us were like, I pulled my laptop out. Connie pulled her iPad out. Like, yep, that's a dude. I I respect the the level of intelligence it takes to win a game of Jeopardy. It it, it is. It's it's a you have to have a high level of intelligence to win a game of Jeopardy. But it also is insulting to the anybody who watches Jeopardy to think we didn't notice that you are a dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I understand. I, I'm not transphobic because I don't fear him. But 
a dude has a mental issue where he's trying to cover up his five o'clock shadow with uh, what do you guys call it? Foundation. Yeah. The sh- the the yeah the stuff you put on your face to try to keep. I mean, I don't know. Up. I don't have anything to cover up a five o'clock shadow. But if you're referring to the thing that you put on the the substance you put on your face to, oh, you, know, you don't have to cover a five o'clock shadow. I don't. I don't. Oh well, I wouldn't know. I've never met you. Ha. True. <laughs> so, on that positive note of me beating up on somebody. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, thank you very much to Jessica Salaji, my partner in crime. One of uh, them. Eric Cumbie, our awesome editor. I'm Dave Roberts. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>